You are listening to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement on the America Out Loud Network. I'm your host, Randy Sutton, retired police lieutenant with Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, author of A Cop's Life and the founder of The Wounded Blue, national assistance and support organization for injured and disabled law enforcement officers. We've got a great show for you today. So without further ado, let's take a walk into the briefing room where I'm going to give you my view from the blue. Milwaukee City Council. I think they are called the Milwaukee Common Council. Their their hatred for law enforcement is so astounding and so uh, irresponsible that this is what they have done now. This is the headline. Milwaukee Common Council rejects $10 million grant for 30 more police officers. Yeah, the Milwaukee Common Council on Tuesday morning rejected a nearly $10 million three-year grant for 30 new police officers following months of grappling over financial and philosophical considerations. Oh yeah, philosophical considerations. And uh, here's what uh, here's what the uh, here's what the one of the aldermen said. The only reason we're having this discussion about a grant that we have received numerous times before with unanimous support is because of the time period that we are in is requiring us demand to demand more and to request more from those that have the responsibility of enforcing the law in our communities. Well, 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 isn't that nice? So here it is. They're already, Milwaukee's already losing cops right and left. Of course they're leaving. Um, they're already facing significant financial pressure. They have approved, get this, they approved a drop of 120 police officer positions through attrition in 2021. That means that if this decision stands, they instead will lose 150 officer positions. And uh, that is a huge amount considering that they have a total, that's that's like uh, almost uh, 10% of their entire police department that they're going to lose in this insane, defunding, abolish the police, social justice, moron thinking. It is, I, these are the people that have been, that have been elected to protect their community. It is astounding. Here they, they're being given, given 10 million bucks to hire 30 cops. And they just won't do it because of the philosophical considerations. And they're not alone. Minneapolis City Council unanimously passes defunding police by nearly $8 million, and the mayor signs it. Yeah, you heard me right. Thursday morning, Minneapolis City Council voted unanimously to uh, pass their 2021 budget that will see the police department defunded by $7.8 million. And here, here's, listen, listen to the name of what they call their plan. You're going to love this. The budget was dubbed the, quote, safety for all plan. It's part of the council's attempt to, quote, reimagine policing. Reimagine policing. Meanwhile, the crime rate is through the roof. 
in Minneapolis. Well, I think the, the carjackings went up 537%. It, it is, it's astounding. Absolutely astounding. The Police Officers Federation of Minneapolis President Bob Kroll spoke with Fox News following the vote. And he said, the city council is decimating the police department. The number of working officers is the lowest it's been in 50 years. Murders, shootings, and other violent crimes are approaching record levels. Our officers are severely overworked, understaffed, and cannot keep the public safe with these cuts. Of course they can't. If you if you you take away the, the number of police officers and you and you don't give them the the money to run the police department, who pays the price for this? It's certainly not the criminal element. They're laughing their asses off. This is great stuff for them. And and you would think that the the city council would face recrimination and they would face recall efforts um, by their by the people that voted for them. But it's just it's it's insane. And uh, they're using they're using the budget in order to put forth their social agenda. You know the the people who are who are suffering here are the people who are the victims of the crimes. They're, they're being forgotten in all of this insanity. Nobody is paying them any attention whatsoever. But this is just the beginning. It's happening all over the country. Um, there, is, there is something happening in Los Angeles, which I, I have to tell you about. It is, it is so incredibly disappointing to watch the literal march of uh, social activist district attorneys. You've heard me talk about this on the show before, but it's, it's, re, it, it's now at a fever pitch. With what we're seeing in San Francisco, with, uh, with uh, the, the son of the uh, murdering weather underground terrorists, who now is the district attorney, with what he's doing, and now you add to this this um, Trojan horse type of uh, of um, tactics that are being implemented within the criminal justice system, where district attorneys who are being funded by uh, by uh, George Soros's organizations are literally they're falling like dominoes to this to this. Um, philosophical insanity of basically um, taking all consequences away from crime. So now Los Angeles County District Attorney has, uh, the, the office has fallen. It's fallen to uh, George Gascon. George Gascon was given millions and millions of dollars by the, the George Soros organizations to run against a veteran district attorney uh, who was, by the way, a black female. Interesting that, that suddenly, if, they, if it doesn't fit their narrative, they want to replace uh, even a black female district attorney. They, would, they want someone who will represent their uh, incredibly liberal anti-law enforcement viewpoints. And they got it with this guy in a big way. George Gascon has got to be one of the most... Uh, 
liberal thinking, when I say liberal, you know, I, I don't necessarily disagree with liberal thinking when it comes down to social issues. I really don't. I, I believe that, that, that the least amount of government interference in someone's life is better. But there, when it comes down to public safety, when it comes down to criminal activity, the, the fact that, that these uh, district attorneys are reducing any, any accountability for criminal actions, it is, it's astounding. So Gascon has got to, is, he didn't take office one day when he announced this absolutely sweeping um, a listing of, of things that he was going to do. And I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about some of it here because it's it's shocking. Um, the victims, the crime victims' families, they're they're beside themselves because now they've been told that their loved ones, their lives didn't matter because the only thing that matters is the liberal mentality of reducing any accountability and any consequences for actions by people like George Gascon. Immediately after taking office, Gascon issued a special directive that effectively ends cash bail, ends the death penalty, and ends sentencing enhancements in L.A. County prosecutions. Critics say the directive is a blanket requirement that will release violent offenders back into the street so that they can re-offend. And this is exactly what is happening. Now, one of the attorneys, Samuel Dordulian, who represents a number of families of crime victims, said this. He's running a social experiment that is dangerous for all of us because his whole goal is to release all of these criminals out there in the street and somehow they're magically going to behave. And that simply isn't going to happen. That's from the attorney representing a number of families. Um, so, in essence, let me explain what... Let me explain how devastating this this is, okay? Um, cash bail is pretty self-explanatory. So a person can go out and, and, and commit basically any crime at all now. And, uh, and, th- and they're just going to release them. They're going to give them a, a, like a, a ticket and say, hey, appear in court sometime if you, you know, if you feel like it. Then there will be no consequences if they don't even appear in court. But... So once they commit crime, and, and we're, we're talking even crimes up to robbery, um, they're going to be released. Here, just see you later. Adios. Bye-bye. Uh, released to go out and, of course, commit the same crimes over and over and over again. Okay, so that's the cash bail part. Now he's saying that he's not going to, um, he's not going to try any death penalty cases What? So ever. So it doesn't, even though the law is on the books in California um, uh, that, uh, that prescribes the death penalty for certain, certain heinous crimes, and you know we're, we're talking about the worst of the worst of the worst, most despicable human being uh, violence committing animals that, that, uh, that even exist today. Um, he's now saying, well, you're not going to have to worry about that anymore. Because under his administration, they're not going to try any death penalty cases. Which also means, if you actually understand the system, 
That means that people who even get life sentences are going to be serving less time. That is the whole point. That is what the dream, the dream of people like Gascon and and their and their benefactor George Soros want. No consequences for crime. Now, what else is he doing? He is also um, taking away what they call enhancements. So let me let me explain what that means and why these uh, sentencing enhancements are so vital when it comes down to um, to affording consequences to severe crimes. So you know, all you whenever there's a whenever there's a a, a murder or shooting, and the the liberal politicians lose their mind screaming for gun control, gun control, gun control. Now, what is gun control? That's laws that concern weapons, right? Well, the laws already exist. For instance, if you commit a robbery with a gun, that is that gives you the gives the judge the ability to do sentencing enhancements. That means he adds five years or ten years onto a sentence. That's what gun control truly is. But when it doesn't fit their narrative, they don't want gun control. They want to take away people's guns so that they don't have to, so they can't defend themselves. That's what that's what that that whole lot gun control lobby is all about. It's not about it's not about real true gun control, which is what you have when you have a law that says if you use a gun in the commission of a crime, you're going to go to prison. Somehow that does that no longer makes makes sense to them. So he takes away the the hate crime uh, enhancement. He takes away the victim over sixty five. Basically, all of these enhancements are what gives judges latitude to put bad guys away, real bad guys, the people who are who are truly the worst of the worst. And and they they already took away the three strike law, so that uh, you know you can commit as many felonies as you want. Now it doesn't it doesn't matter. That's that is what's happening here. So it, it, in reality, in reality, um, what we're seeing here is Gascon is is uh, uh, pushing his radical agenda, and he was voted into office. It's just astounding to me. The the people of Los Angeles, how dumb are you? You if you if you listen to anything that was said, if you listen to what. These, these district attorneys said and what law enforcement groups said, they told you, they told you, if Gascon gets in, you're going to be, your crime is going to go crazy. Because why shouldn't it? If you, if you look at the only thing that keeps people that are real true criminals from committing crimes is A, they're, they're already in jail, so they can't commit a crime. And, or they're afraid because they know that they're going to go to jail. Well, once you remove that that uh, possibility, what is to keep them from doing it? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And yet, this is what we're seeing over and over again in different uh, in different cities and different counties. We're seeing more and more of these radical, agenda-driven politicians taking over the reins of prosecutor's office and district attorney's offices from Philadelphia all the way to Los Angeles now, where their radical politics are, are um, uh, superseding any, uh, any 
common sense, any true measure of justice. It is simply, it is just simply the party line of uh, of radical thinking. And and you know, when you when you're thinking about a guy like Gascon, this guy before he was the district attorney in L.A. He was the district attorney in, of course, San Francisco, where, once again, he his, his, his incredibly liberal agenda um, just tore that system apart. And look where San Francisco is now. It's it, You can't walk the streets. And instead of the city's uh, um, leadership, including the prosecutor, instead of them going after the the criminals those people who are preying on the weak and preying on 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 uh people who are susceptible to them instead they're going after the police they don't care about anything about the about justice they don't care anything about safety for the people they only care about their politics and what are they doing they are they are literally the trojan horse um within the criminal justice system they are eating it from within. They are destroying it. It's they're like they're like super termites in your walls. They are just gnawing away at the criminal justice system. And it, this is this is a, a brilliantly orchestrated uh, uh, defunding and and destruction of law enforcement by the likes of George Soros. He's like the master puppeteer. He's pulling the strings. He's writing those checks, millions, millions, and millions of dollars to put people into power that will push forward a radical anti-law enforcement, anti-public safety agenda. And they are getting away with it over and over and over and over again. And I don't know what it's going to take for people to wake up. I don't know what it's going to take to do recalls on some of these these incredibly uh, deceptive and destructive prosecutors and district attorneys. Now, here's the thing that that's that I've got some uh, uh, friends in the district attorney's office, and they they let me know what's going on now. What they have, fortunately, the district attorneys have a union. Now, it's not like the you know uh, FOP, the Fraternal Order of Police. Or the or the PBA, the uh, Policemen's Benevolent Association, but they have their own union, so at least they have some um, manner of protection. Because what would Gascon would normally do is he would go in there and he would just rip apart the office. He would get rid of all the district attorneys who philosophically do not agree with him, and then he would appoint the most liberal, uh, you know. Uh, Re, reactionary type of of um, district attorneys and prosecutors put him in there so that he can control them and they will go with the flow. But happily, at least, well, happily for us uh, or the people of Los Angeles, I should say, um, the district attorneys there are protected. They have some measure of protection just from um, you know arbitrary termination. So, uh, but. They, there's already there's already um, civil war now going on, even just days after this this Gascon took office, and he is threatening. He is telling them, 
that uh, that that he's going to he's going to take care of them. Uh, so you're having this intimidation taking place from the district attorney um, with the other district attorneys. That's what's happening. That's how insane this whole line of political, politically inspired uh, actions are. It is. It is just crazy. So it, it's. We're going to be. I, I guarantee you. Every week here on Blue Lives Radio, there's going to be another insane story coming out of Los Angeles because now this 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 monstrosity has been elected as the um, as the district attorney. So in Milwaukee, you got you got the city government turning down ten million dollars. You got them basically defunding the police. Minneapolis, you got the same thing. And then, then you have Portland. Oh my God. Every every time I excuse me, every time I think of Portland, I think of what a what a, a show that is. So they recently had an election, and their mayor Ted Wheeler, who is got to be one of the worst mayors in the, in in history. Um, he's, he has allowed the destruction of his city. He's, he is basically, not only is he the mayor, he's the police commissioner, which is crazy, crazy that, that he's given that type of power. So he was recently facing a a very difficult election because it was looking like he was going to get thrown out of office. But here's the, here's the, the thing. What was running against him? was even worse than him, if you can even imagine that. She was a true dyed-in-the-wool communist, and she made no bones about it. She was a proud supporter of Antifa, even the, even as the, as the city was destroyed and is con- continually being destroyed. So as bad as Wheeler is, he was, unbelievably, the better of the choices according to the Portland cops that I know. They were scared to death that this other creature was going to get in there, and but so Wheeler gets reelected, and then they have, of course, more unrest. Uh, this time, regarding a house that um, that uh, some sovereign citizens are occupying, and Antifa is supporting them. So the sovereign citizens don't believe they ever have to pay taxes. They don't believe that there is a government that they that they have to listen to so there's this big old dumpy house there that um but that was foreclosed upon because they didn't pay the mortgage they didn't pay the taxes they just didn't pay anything so it was foreclosed upon but of course it's portland so the uh the antifa animals occupied it basically and refused to allow law enforcement to enforce any of the laws now of course this occupation brought with it complete lawlessness throughout the neighborhood. So you have the neighbors who, you know, uh, all they want is a little peace and quiet, but they can't get it because this is like the, the clubhouse for Antifa. So eventually it gets so bad, even Wheeler, the mayor, says, okay, that's enough, that's enough. I'm going to let the police do what they need to do. Well, he lied. Uh, as soon as the cops go in there to to uh, take care of business, there is there is the usual amount of violence that's directed towards them. And it's of course instead of instead of actually 
following up on what his promise was and allowing the police to take care of business, they are not. Then it turns into a, a, a nightmare for the neighborhood. Um, the cops are, are, and I've watched some of the video tapes, it made my blood boil because the officers who have every capability of, of uh, clearing this, this group of, of, I don't know what they are, uh, occupiers, um, they have every ability to do what they need to do. They are just not being allowed. So, so Wheeler comes out like he's a, a tough guy and yeah, oh, we're, we're going to use all the tools at our disposal. And then what does he do? He apologizes He and forces the police chief who I, I heard he's a nice guy, but good Lord almighty, the guy can't do anything because Wheeler is pulling strings like him, like the marionette. They, they actually apologized to these to this rabble who was attacking them. They apologized to them. Oh, well, you know, we, we, we were really sorry uh, about, uh, you know, actually using pepper spray and, and some of the things that we have to use in order to get, get, get rid of you. It's just, it is, you know, every day there's like some new debacle that takes place in Portland. And it's just, it's not getting better. You know, all it is, is, is getting worse and worse and worse. So we've got, um, we've got, we've got, you know, this, this mess with all of these insane district attorneys. Then you have the government themselves that, uh, that is just waging war against the cops and against public safety. And now let's, let's talk about the NFL, shall we? I haven't talked about them in a while. They NFL honors gunmen killed while trying to murder police officers. This makes me crazy. National Football League has chosen to honor a gunman who was killed while shooting at police by allowing players to wear his name on their helmets. Yep, you heard me. The Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department... Um, uh, sent sent this this guy to prison for murdering uh for um or they excuse me i i got i got that wrong the the public some of the 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 um anti-law enforcement public has demanded that this police officer be tried for murder for shooting back and 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 killing a guy who was shooting at him it is it is it's madness, absolute madness, and the uh, the the prosecutor said, "Look, they did a complete investigation, and this shooting was as justifiable as justifiable gets, because you have you have a guy shooting at the cops who gets killed by the cops. What 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 planet are these people living on that that is considered a a a, a murder?" I mean, it's a, this, this, I don't, I can't even imagine that, that this alternative reality is, is playing out. And the, and the NFL, the NFL, yeah, the, 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 the kneelers and the uh, enablers, uh, the organization itself is now supporting a guy who's trying to kill a cop. That's where the, that's, that's where the battle lines are being drawn now, my friends. There's such a, a, a um, 
a, a hatred of law enforcement in certain circles that it is it is reached a point where there there is no conscience there is no common sense there is only this unbridled and and in incredible disgust for law enforcement uh, and and law enforcement winds up getting blamed for everything even when they are simply defending themselves which is what most of the police shootings are of course well I want to I want to we're running out of time here but I want to tell you about one good thing I, there's something that that actually I think is is really really cool and that is um, some uh, amazing amazing person who has joined the police department he's a double amputee injured in Iraq and he just he just um, won his dream of becoming a Fort Worth Texas police officer. They swore in 24 new police officers, which uh, is a big enough deal during this during this climate. But among them is a former Marine, 35-year-old Zach Brazino. Brazino had always dreamed of becoming a police officer when he grew up, and that dream could have easily uh, been um, uh, crushed because when he was serving overseas in, the, in Fallujah, he was hit by a roadside bomb in 2007, both of his legs were amputated as a result of the bomb. But he didn't let this stop him. Um, I mean, you can imagine the the physical challenges that this man had to live to his dream uh, and 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 capture that dream. I, it is it is astounding. It is it's inspiring. And even in this insane climate, you, you have people that um, that care enough that to to still want to join the ranks of policing, even in this insanity. A guy like this, who is who is a, a true hero, um, even before he puts that star that badge on, uh, goes on to to live his dream. That is what America is about, my friends. And uh, so to the newly minted Officer Brazino of the Forwards Police Department, uh, thumbs up, brother. Uh, I hope that you have a long and healthy and happy career. Uh, and you have, have certainly showed yourself to be a model of courage and drive and determination. Uh, so my congratulations to Officer Brazino, Fort Worth Police Department. That's about all the time we have today, right now, uh, in the briefing room. But got a great guest waiting for us in the interview room. So let's get moving. I know we were a little disappointed because we've had to push back the Brothers in Blue Bash for a few months because of the COVID insanity. Now, on October 17th, we are still going to have a virtual Brothers in Blue Bash, kind of like a tease, and we're going to uh, raise some money. We're going to have some tremendous auction items. So uh, uh, stay listening to uh, this and go to the Facebook page, Brothers in Blue Bash Las Vegas, and get the information there. Now, March 27th, that is a Saturday night here in Las Vegas. The Brothers in Blue Bash, which is going to be the largest celebration of law enforcement, unity, and pride to benefit the Wounded Blue. It's going to be right here in Las Vegas. Got some tremendous 
tremendous entertainment lined up for you. There's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a, an event to remember. Fantastic hotel room uh, prices at the Orleans. Just go to the Brothers in Blue Bash uh, Facebook page, and you can uh, make your um, make your reservations there. You can get a table, you can get seats, you can sponsor all kinds of things. Check it out. Facebook page, Brothers in Blue Bash, Las Vegas. I don't know about you, but if you love coffee, you're going to love Law Dog Coffee. Law Dog Coffee Company. Yes, indeedy. This is amazing coffee. It's been uh, in the family of uh, uh, brewers for 90 years, but this particular brand is is uh, created just for us. So if you love coffee, you're going to love Law Dog Coffee, especially because not only is it phenomenal coffee, it's, it's uh, uh, roasted in a, in a family-owned roasting company. It's been around for 90 years, and it is delicious, but it also goes to help the, uh, the company, Law Dog Coffee Company, gives a percentage of its income to thewoundedblue.org. In fact, they sponsor the Canine Companion Program for the Wounded Blue. So go to lawdogcoffee.com. It gets delivered directly to your house. It is phenomenal, and it tastes so good, it ought to be illegal. America's cities and claims of racism in the ranks of law enforcement have spirited a renewed debate on racial equality. It was Alexis de Tocqueville who reminded us, Americans are so enamored of equality, they would rather be equal in slavery than unequal in freedom. To which I say, be warned of the shiny object, America. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Well, it's a fight for the soul of humanity. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. With me today interview room of uh, the Voice of American Law Enforcement is a guest who has a very unique background. I'm going to read his bio, Jeff Stein is his name, because I couldn't remember it all. It comes with age. Jeff Stein is a medically retired police officer. He's an entrepreneur and founder of Cover Now Law Enforcement Emergency Fund. 
Beginning his law enforcement career in 1995, Jeff worked patrol division for the El Cajon Police Department in San Diego County, a racially and economically diverse community in a high crime area of the San Diego area. It molded Jeff to understand the pressures of modern law enforcement. After medically retiring from the police department, he earned a degree in theology and later founded two separate companies which became very successful, Stein Game Tables and Five Star Martial Arts. With his diverse background in law enforcement and as a, a founder of, of several businesses, Jeff brings a deep understanding of not only enforce, law enforcement needs, but also the dynamics of running successful companies. And he's joining me here today on this show. Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Lieutenant, I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. So let's talk about Cover Now. Um, you, this, is a, this is a really uh, interesting charitable organization, a 501c3 charity. Uh, explain a little bit of, first of all, your law enforcement career and how you became medically retired. And then what led you to create um, this company? Yeah, so I started my career in 95 in San Diego, and uh, obviously things were a lot different uh, back then than they are now. I mean, uh, what law enforcement officers are dealing with today is not anything that, that you know, we had to deal with, you know, uh, almost 25 years ago. So it's, uh, it's, it's quite a bit different, and I, I'm still working with law enforcement families and officers every day all around the country because of this foundation. But um, a, a guy, a friend of mine that I went to the police academy with, um, uh, got hired at his agency and about 10 years in, um, he took his own life because he was struggling with post-traumatic stress and, uh, seeing the family a couple of years after the event, um, I learned something that I just didn't know that law enforcement was dealing with all over the country. And that is when a police officer commits suicide, which is now three times line of duty deaths, if not greater, because not everybody's accounted for like reserve police officers and retirees. A lot of times the family just get a final paycheck and that's it. And not only are they suffering with the loss of maybe their mother or father or husband or wife, but they're financially devastated too. Um, so that was really the catalyst to uh, start Cover Now. And then as I got into it, I quickly learned that catastrophic on-duty injuries um, that are an all-time high in this country was really the major need of law enforcement officers and family around the country. So... Um, in 2018, uh, myself and some other retired police officers founded Cover Now, which is a term we use um, in Southern California law enforcement. When a police officer uh, needs help, they get on the radio and they scream Cover Now. And uh, then all the police officers and come running to their aid. So we, uh, we started Cover Now Law Enforcement Emergency Fund. And what we do that's unique to a lot of the other foundations out there is we're ramping up to go national um, we have helped police officers in five different states so far, uh, but we want to be able to help them all. And, um, you know, that's the challenge now is um, becoming so large that we actually can't help all the catastrophically injured police officers and law enforcement families left behind by suicide in our nation. Um, and what we do is we give um, financial resources uh, mainly to those families for their emergency needs upon the, the loss of life or the catastrophically injured police officer that may be finding themselves battling the work comp system um, so they don't lose their house or their truck or, you know, or, or things like that that may cover their emergency needs. 
you know, um, you and I met through my organization, The Wounded Blue, which uh, is the, the national assistance and support organization for injured and disabled law enforcement officers. Together, we realized um, the scope of the issue. And I think that many Americans are, are really kept in the dark when it comes to this topic. You know, yeah. when, 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 we're, when we're looking at this topic, how have you found um, the reception to the idea amongst, amongst citizens? Uh, not only just citizens, but law enforcement agencies like police officer unions and things like that. Really, it, it was astounding to me. Um, not only did I not know how the system worked completely, but most departments that I go to and citizens that I go to don't understand the problem. And, and, and I can explain it real quickly. If, if you're in the military and you, let's say, um, are gravely injured or lose your leg in combat, the federal government continues to pay that military personnel as they should. Uh, what happens in law enforcement is back in the 1950s, municipalities, and again, we have 18,000 police departments in the United States. That's state and local law enforcement. And what happens is uh, when a police officer is catastrophically injured, the city or the municipality or the department, they don't have millions of dollars sitting in an account in the off chance that one of their police officers is going to get gravely injured so they can financially support them. So what happens is when they can't work, they get passed over to the work comp system or the city's insurance company. And that's really where their battle begins. So a police officer, let's say, gets ran over or shot. They can't work. They have a lot of surgeries to go through. The work comp system is supposed to take care of them. And what we found is that there is no preferential treatment to our nation's law enforcement. And the citizens in this country just don't know that. So the police officer that's gravely injured protecting their communities is treated the same way with anybody else that has a policy in that insurance company. And many times they, the officers have to spend their own money hiring a lawyer just to make sure their basic needs are met. So what we want to do and the reason we privatize this is so we can cut through the red tape. When a police officer or a family of a law enforcement officer needs help, that we're there to offer that assistance immediately without jumping through all the hoops that they have to do with their city's insurance company. When you're, when you're working with, uh, with these officers, what is the one common theme that you see amongst them? Um, that they feel left behind. Uh, when, you're, when you're in the group, the thin blue line, so to speak, um, what I've realized is, is that line is much thinner than I ever thought. And um, when a police officer is no longer at work and they're at home and they're suffering and trying to get their needs met, um, a lot of times they are just truly forgotten and cast aside. Um, they still may have very close friends that they worked with in the department, but the cities themselves uh, many times kind of wash their hands of that officer because they've been, you know, uh, turned over to the insurance company. And the insurance company is supposed to take care of them, and they just felt like they that nobody cares about them. They just, you know, they, they truly have been left behind. That's the common thing. Exactly. Exactly. And it's 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 heartbreaking to see, you know, when when we are seeing let, let's look at what what is happening, though, today. We're talking about post-traumatic stress injury, post-traumatic stress disorder with the the 
current anti-law enforcement movement um, having basically, you know, taken taken fire here, uh, caught fire in the last couple of years with the the uh, you know the, the defund the police movement, the vilifying of law enforcement basically for any use of force. What are you seeing as far as the mental health of of, of the, the law enforcement officers that you deal with? The officers right now uh, feel like, I, I would say in general, and again, depending on what city you're going to, if it's a major metropolitan city, you know, like a Seattle or Portland, um, that's, that there's been so much uh, havoc wreaked in those, um, in those cities, those officers really feel like they have no choice. They have to deal with this. And when an officer unfortunately has to take somebody's life in the line of duty, um, the officers are, are very scared. They're seeing police officers prosecuted, fired for what we in law enforcement would call a good shoot, meaning that they were uh, well within their rights and responsibilities to discharge their firearm. And we see videos all over the country where you have somebody charging a police officer with a knife or or having a gun in their hand, the police officer takes their own life, and people are still rioting, and people are still calling for the police officers to get fired or prosecuted. So, uh, you know, that, that thin blue line is pretty thin today. They don't know if they do everything right, if, if they're still going to, you know, ha- have their departments or their cities, um, you know, come after them, and they really do feel alone. So, um, in the major metropolitan cities, like I taught at the police academy in Oregon for uh, for quite a while, um, students that I put through the academy that are now with like Portland Police Bureau and things like that, they they don't know what to do. They don't know: Am I going to have a career? Should I get out of this career and do something else? Am I going to lose my livelihood? Um, is my immunity going to be taken away? Um, which has been asked for by uh, you know cities and politicians all throughout the United States. And it's become even more dangerous on the back end than it is just doing their job on the street because they really are concerned about what's going to happen to them after an event, even if they do everything right. And, and, and let, let's face it, the, just if, if in a perfect world, the police job carries with it immense amounts of stress normally, when you add this this new dynamic of of being um, being fearful of your own community turning on you for a completely justified use of force, it's got to play havoc with uh, with the mental health. And and when we when we t- when we talk about officers' mental health, you know, you you spoke. Uh, a very startling statistic just a, a few minutes ago, three times the number of police officers who die in the line of duty will take their own lives. And that's a frightening statistic. And as you also said, that's probably way underreported. What can we as, as, as a, a people do to, to help this situation? Well, you know, back in the in the early 90s, the first George Bush president um, had the Joint Chiefs go through post-traumatic stress training. And now when we hear about a military personnel coming home from overseas, 
um, and taking their own life, there's great uh, mercy and understanding given because we understand what they've been through and so does the military. Law enforcement is unfortunately way behind the eight ball on this. Less than 5% of our nation's law enforcement uh, municipalities have any type of post-traumatic stress training or help for those police officers. And police officers see um, horrible things um, in the course of their shift, in the course of their careers that, that uh, wreak havoc on their minds, um, which manifest to their, you know, their physical bodies. And um, what we really need to understand is our nation's law enforcement really need the help. They really need the help of their politicians. They really need the help of the citizens and to understand what they go through. Police officers come out of the general population. And out of that general population, right. hire our nation's police officers. And they are going through the most scrutinous environment imaginable just to become police officers. The oversight is is overwhelming for police officers by the time we put a badge and a gun on them and put them on the street based upon their level of training that they go through, on the job training, and so on. And we're doing everything we know to do right in the, within the departments, but they still are going to see and experience things that normal people just don't see. And, uh, you know, the... Our politicians, the citizens, they need to understand that and really, really begin to back our law enforcement officers nationwide. How can uh, how can people learn more about your organization, Cover Now? So we are on social media at Cover Now Fund and um, also our website, covernowfund.org. And uh, people are invited to go on our website or on our social media sites and donate. And what we do is these two specific categories. When a police officer is catastrophically injured, we find out what their emergency needs are and we meet those needs. We are not dealing with line of duty deaths, as tragic as that is. There is a lot of support for the families when a police officer dies in the line of duty. But for those officers that are catastrophically injured and fighting that battle with their insurance company after, there's not much support, has not been. And it's organizations like yours, Lieutenant, that help with their mental health, with the peer support that they need, and uh, with organizations like ours that are giving financial resources to help them with their needs. And then, of course, those law enforcement families left behind by suicide. Um, you know, again, you have 18,000 agencies. They're all autonomous. Um, some departments and cities take great care of their officers and the families that are left behind but many don't, and we want to be there for them. So um, how you can show your support is by donating to um, organizations like Cover Now, like the Wounded Blue, um, because our funds are going directly to them to help them in their time of need. Well, it's an amazing organization, and, uh, you know, you're, you're touching a lot of lives. Jeff Stein from CoverNowFund.org. Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time to be here on uh, The Voice of American Law Enforcement. Hello, this is Lieutenant Randy Sutton, the host of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. I am a 34-year police veteran. I am also the founder and CEO of an organization that stands behind injured and disabled law enforcement officers. It is called The Wounded Blue. Our website is thewoundedblue.org. We have produced a film. It is an important film. I urge you to watch it. The film details what happens 
When a police officer or law enforcement officer is shot or stabbed or beaten or disabled, seriously injured in the line of duty, most people think they are taken care of medically and financially. The reality may be quite different. It is called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. The film is available on Amazon, iTunes, and the Microsoft Store. End of Watch with Randy Sutton. Each week here on Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, we pay our respects to the men and women of the profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. This year has been a very difficult year for law enforcement. The number of law enforcement officers who have given their lives is uh, astounding. We're closing in on 300. So this week I have four names to read. First is Senior Federal Air Marshal Kenneth R. Mizell, United States Department of Homeland Security, Transportation Security, Administration, Federal Air Marshal Service. Senior Federal Air Marshal Kenneth Mizell died as a result of complications after contracting COVID-19 during a presumed exposure while on duty. He was exposed to traveling public, the traveling public in airports and aircraft during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Senior Federal Air Marshal Kenneth R. Mizell, United States Department of Homeland Security, end of watch Thursday, September 24th, 2020. Next is Police Officer Tyler Avery Herndon, Mount Holly Police Department, North Carolina. Police Officer Tyler Herndon was shot and killed while he and other officers responded to a burglary in progress at a car wash at 313 Beatty Drive at approximately 3.30 a.m. Subject was shot and wounded by other officers on the scene. He was charged with first-degree murder. The incident occurred two days before Officer Herndon's birthday. Police Officer uh, Tyler Avery Herndon, Mount Holly Police Department, North Carolina, end of watch, Friday, December 11th, 2020. The next is Officer Jose Santana, United States Department of Homeland Security, Customs, and Border Protection. Officer Jose Santana died from complications after contracting COVID-19 while on duty at the Laredo Port of Entry in Laredo, Texas. He has served the Customs and Border Protection for 12 years, previously served with the Laredo Police Department for six. He is survived by his wife, daughter, parents, and two siblings. Officer Jose Santana, United States Department of Homeland Security. End of watch, Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020. The next uh, is Concord, North Carolina, police officer Jason Shooping. Officer Shooping was killed uh, in a shootout with an armed suspect. Concord officers were investigating an attempted carjacking when they approached a suspect who was on foot in a parking lot. As they approached, the suspect opened fire, striking Officer Shooping. The suspect was killed in the shootout. End of watch for... Um, Police Officer Jason Shooping, Concord, North Carolina Police Department, end of watch, 12-16-2020. Each of these officers gave their lives serving their communities. May they rest in peace. I want to thank you all for listening to this broadcast, the Voice of American Law Enforcement, Blue Lives Radio, here on America Out Loud. As you know, uh, we really try to show a different perspective the perspective from the law enforcement 
side of the world. And it, it is becoming a, a perspective that is, that is um, facing some challenges. Uh, a couple things. If you want to find me on Facebook, go to The Voice of American Law Enforcement on Facebook. If you're looking for me on Twitter, I'm at LT Randy Sutton. And uh, I'd ask a couple things. One is support the Wounded Blue. Go to thewoundedblue.org. This organization that I founded is made up of men and women, all who have been shot, stabbed, beaten, run over, screwed up, and screwed over. They're doing amazing work with cops all over the country who have been injured physically or emotionally. And the other thing, if you like good coffee, you got to go to lawdogcoffee.com. Lawdogcoffee.com, they are helping the Wounded Blue, but the coffee is amazing, gets delivered right to your door. It is incredible. And the way I look at it is it tastes so good, it ought to be illegal. That's my point of view. So uh, we'll see you again soon, and uh, thanks again for listening. This is Randy Sutton signing off from the Voice of American Law Enforcement, Blue Lives Radio, right here on America Out Loud.